So last week we were going into mindfulness of the body in quite a bit more detail. And I talked about how for many of us this can take quite some training just because in our dominant culture we generally don't pay much attention to the body. Quite the opposite, we tend to privilege our intellect and our thinking more than the body. So for the average person it can be quite hard to bring awareness to the body and it requires quite a lot of patience as we start to develop this skill. But with practice, as some of you were sharing, when we connect to our physical embodied experience, it helps the mind to gather. So paying attention to the body is a really powerful antidote to our habitual tendency to be scattered and distracted and all over the place. The other benefit of mindfulness of the body is that when we really pay attention to it, we see that it's constantly changing on micro levels. And because it's constantly changing, it's not possible to make the body do exactly what we want it to do, to make it exactly how we want it to be, because it's not completely under our control. And so with that clear seeing, we can start to appreciate the body just as it is, And there's less tendency to resist our physical experience, reject the body, or identify with any aspect of it. And this non-reactivity is a very important aspect of mindfulness. So we're cultivating, as I was indicating earlier, this attitude of non-judgment. Whatever our experience is, we're trying to meet it with kind curiosity rather than struggling with it, not trying to get rid of it, not trying to hold on to it, but just letting things come and go. So in mindfulness meditation, we use the body and the breathing as a kind of home base or an anchor for our attention. And we keep coming back to that home base whenever we realize we've got lost or distracted. But, and this is a big but, Mindfulness is not just about being with the breath. We start there as a tool to steady the attention. And then once we have some stability of mind, some degree of non-scatteredness, we can start to open up the lens of our awareness to include other aspects of our experience, including our thinking, as I was just mentioning, until ultimately nothing is left out of our mindfulness practice. And I want to emphasize that because sometimes when people only hear the beginning instructions of mindfulness, they can develop the impression that it's just about being with the breath. And therefore, if the attention is anywhere other than the breath or the body, that's not meditation. And so we get into a struggle. We try to drag the attention back back to the breath, back to the breath. But for most people, this just creates a lot of aversion in the mind, judgment and struggle. So even at this early stage of the practice, we also want to be noticing, as I was saying earlier, what's going on in the mind. And in fact, we've already been doing that in these last two weeks because how do we know the mind has wandered unless we're paying attention to the mind 
So mindfulness of the mind is a key skill to develop in meditation practice. And we're going to be focusing on that more fully in coming weeks. But for now, that's just a sneak preview of where this is going. Because for most people, mental activity happens so fast. And most of us have such strong tendencies to get lost in our thoughts and emotions. Take them to be real and true and who I am. That it's very hard to have that non-judgmental presence when it comes to our mental activity. So we begin with the body and the breath so that we can develop some steadiness of awareness. And then we can slowly begin to bring in those other aspects of our experience. And that's what we're going to be doing in a few minutes. But just to say from that, you might get a sense then that the quality of mindfulness that we're cultivating here, we want it to be flexible and resilient and adaptable. Now, unfortunately, in English, mindfulness is a noun, so it sounds like a static thing that we either have or don't. But in actual practice, mindfulness is a relationship. And like any relationship, it's constantly changing. So at times, we might find that the mindfulness very naturally becomes very zoomed in and focused, and we are noticing just one tiny aspect of our experience. At other times, it might open up to include more of a broad range of experience. So as an analogy for that, we can think of it as a bit like the lens of a camera. So sometimes we've got the camera and we're zooming in macro mode and seeing all the tiny little um, hairs on the tomato leaf. Other times we're wide angle, we're taking in the whole panorama and in that case, the mindfulness is covering a whole range of objects, not only the breath, but physical sensations, sounds, thoughts, emotions, and so on. When we're in that more wide-angle mode of mindfulness, because it's not so focused, sometimes that spaciousness can get a little bit spacey. And so that's a clue, okay, now I need to bring in and regather my mindfulness to get the steadiness and then once again open it out to include more of the whole field of our experience. So there's also a distinction we can make between directing the attention and receiving the experience. So I just did that with my hand because energetically that's how it feels. And sometimes in the beginning, when we hear mindfulness of breathing, we can be like, I have to catch that breath. I have to catch that breath. Did I get that in-breath? Oh, I missed that out-breath. And there's a, a slightly too forceful going out to sort of grab the experience. So that's why I was also naming earlier, we can just receive the sensations rather than going after them. And so I'd like to practice that more receptive mode of mindfulness now by exploring the experience of hearing. So, so far we've been using the breath and the body as our anchor or home base. But for some people, the breath is not the neutral object that we're hoping for. Some people might have 
illnesses, asthma, might have had some kind of trauma around the breath. And so the breath for them is perhaps not the best home base. Some people find it hard because they're trying to control their breathing in the beginning. So we can use the experience of hearing as a different object. And there are a couple of benefits to doing this. Unlike the breath, we don't have any control over sound. We can't make sounds happen. We can't make them go away. All we can do is just settle back and receive the experience of sounds when they arise. So this mindfulness of hearing is immediately bringing us into a more relaxed and receptive mode. And in some ways, mindfulness actually is a form of listening, tuning in, listening to whatever our experience might be. The second benefit of mindfulness of hearing is that it's closer to our daily life experience. So we're not trying to ignore anything that's not the breath and just keep coming back to the breath. Instead, we just allow sounds to be known with the same bare awareness that we bring to the breathing. So that means we don't need to identify the sound. We don't get caught up in trying to work out whether that loud engine sound outside was a motorbike or a souped-up car and whether it was our neighbor's motorbike or our neighbor's son's V8. We just know, okay, hearing, hearing, hearing for as long as the sound lasts. And then another sound will call our attention and we can know that. Stay with it until it too disappears. So this is about connecting with whatever is predominant, whatever sound naturally arises, is clearest and strongest. And because it's pretty quiet here, I'm going to actually ring this bell from time to time, just occasionally to give us something to pay attention to. And then I'll ring it three times at the end, the traditional three times at the end, to signify that the meditation is over. Okay, are there any questions about that before we give it a try? Great.